And uh, welcome once again to another Throttle Up radio show and podcast. And I'm your host, Captain Kevin Smith, and I'm glad to be here along with my great audio engineer who keeps me on track and makes sure that all of the stuff works. Okay, so we are in the midst of a... No, we're going to start a new series. Did you know that? We're going to start a new series. All right, so we've, we've done a whole bunch of stuff under the banner of Think Like a Fighter Pilot. And now we're going to start a new series, which is a little bit more um, focused on a particular area that we think needs to be addressed, needs to be seriously considered. And this is consistent with what's going on across the board, what's going on in the real world, what's going on in the uh, arena of thought. And the, uh, the new series that we are beginning is entitled Time Compression, which happens to be our greatest performance challenge. And so we're going to, um, I, I think I've got a little bit ahead of myself, but we're going to have my audio engineer ask me that, that, that question in her uh, in the great way that she poses these questions, uh, which is really uh, quite delightful. Anyway, so a few administrative things. We are a radio show on Red State Talk Radio. Also, we are a podcast. Podcast is available uh, everywhere that we know of on all known podcast platforms. I, I can't say that definitively. I would say that most podcast platforms carry the uh, Throttle Up uh, podcast. Uh, you can find it on our website as well, which is throttleupradio.com. Uh, right now I'm using CastBox as a platform as well. Uh, that works really, really good. And there's others, um, uh, iTunes, you name it. They're, they're all, it's all over. All right? and, and so it's a, a very easy to... Uh, get to it uh, and it is uh, we try to keep it fresh and new and exciting and timely uh, and so that's our uh, that's our mission it's all about critical thinking of course it's all about uh, not theoretical so much as the application or the real world uh, application of critical thinking how do you do it why do why do you do it how do you do, how do you do it in the real world uh, real world is not clean. It's not antiseptic, but it is. It's kind of messy, and it's complex and difficult. And so, how do you adjust your thinking in appropriate ways so as to solve some of our more pressing problems and uh, deal with the uh, discovery of effective solutions to some of our most pressing problems. Okay, so we are, we're going to start off with a Q&A, a question from our great audio engineer, and then we're going to press on with our discussion this week. Is there any other administrative things I need to talk about? We just came back from an air power conference in Las Vegas, uh, that's, so that's something. And uh, we have a new book out. It's called A Sonic Warrior, Chronicles of a Top Gun Pioneer. Uh, that's available everywhere. Also, it's available in audio format. So it's an audio book. Highly recommend the audio book as well. All right, so here goes the question for this week. Uh, hello, Kevin, and hello to your listening audience. As you have already alluded uh, to the fact that you are beginning a new series, Time Compression, Our Greatest Performance Challenge. So I hope you are going to explain to us all what that is about. Thank you so much. Okay, yes. Uh, and uh, 
this is really kind of interesting. We did touch on this last week, and I wanted to, and I realized that after I listened to the show as well, I realized something that, okay, we're, we're kind of on to a, a, a big thing. This is the big area, uh, important area, that we really need to spend some quality time on, a great deal of time on it. Uh, it was also pointed out in the Top Gun Maverick movie. This is kind of amazing. This is like, what is this, serendipity? Is that what it is? Yes, my audio engineer is shaking her head. This is serendipity. Uh, uh, the Top Gun Maverick movie d- addressed uh, time as a critical factor in, in performance, particularly air combat performance. As well, and so we're going to spend some time on it. Uh, I have been talking about this for uh, a long time. How, how many years have I been talking about time compression? I've been talking about it probably 40 years, right? Didn't we start? Uh, probably uh, at least 40 years ago, uh, I raised the issue in terms of aircraft design in terms of uh, pilot training, uh, air combat performance. Uh, I raised the uh, issue, which, which I call time compression. Another term that I use, which is almost the same thing, is increased time compression. That became uh, one of the central items on our uh, performance checklist how do you deal with it so i've been dealing with this for a great deal of time uh, over the course of uh, my career and it's kind of interesting that the whole issue of time was raised in the top gun maverick movie so we're going to replay that clip that we played last week i think it's i think it is worth replaying and probably worth replaying a number of times because it it went by kind of quickly, but it is so important uh, that we are going to, you know, we're going to address ourselves to it in a meaningful way. We did begin that last week, and I realized that we need to uh, spend a great deal more time on it, and so uh, and so we are starting a new, new series. Uh, new set of episodes, if you will. This happens to be episode one of time compression is the term that we're using. And uh, so let's go ahead and play this um, uh, this audio-video clip again. This, is, this comes from the Top Gun Maverick movie, correct? And it's called, what is it called? Uh, time is your greatest enemy scene from... Top Guns. We're going to replay this again, and uh, we also are going to uh, play a couple of other uh, audio clips as well. But let's go ahead and start off our discussion by revisiting the time is your greatest enemy. Here goes. Is your greatest enemy. Phase one of the mission will be a low-level ingress attacking in two plane teams. You'll fly along this narrow canyon to your target. Radar-guided surface-to-air missiles defend the area. These SAMs are lethal. But they were designed to protect the skies above, not the canyon below. That's because the enemy knows no one is insane enough to try and fly below them. That's exactly what I'm going to train you to do. On the day, your altitude will be 100 feet maximum. You exceed this altitude, radar will spot you, and you're dead. Your airspeed will be 660 knots, minimum. Time to target, two and a half minutes. That's because fifth generation fighters wait at an airbase nearby. And head to head with these planes and your F-18s, you're dead. That's why you need to get in, hit your target, and be gone before these planes even have a chance of catching you. This makes time your greatest adversary. You'll fly a route in your nav system that simulates the canyon. 
The faster you navigate this canyon, the harder it will be to stay under the radar of these enemy Sams. The tighter the turns, the more intensely the force of gravity on your body multiplies, compressing your lungs, forcing the blood from your brain, impairing your judgment and reaction time. So for today's lesson, we're going to take it easy on you. Max ceiling, 300 feet. Time to target three minutes. Good luck. Time to target is one minute 30. We are two seconds behind. Increase to 480 knots. We gotta move, Coyote. Copy, increase the speed. Oh, oh shit. Where are they dead? We broke the 300-foot ceiling. Now Sam took us out. No. Why were they dead? I slowed down and I didn't give her a warning. It's my fault. Was there a reason you didn't communicate with your team? I was focusing on... One that their family will accept at the funeral. None, sir. Why didn't you anticipate the turn? You were briefed on the terrain. Don't tell me. Tell it to his family. Hey, man, he's up. The canyon's getting tighter. Negative payback. Increase your speed. You're going too fast, man. Well, no harm in being ahead of schedule. Damn it, slow down. I can't stay on the course. Ah, you're going to hit the wall. Watch out, watch out, watch out. What happened? Well, I flew as fast as I could. Kind of like my ass depended on it. And you put your team in danger and your wingman's dead. They couldn't keep up. Okay, so, uh, yeah, we played that last week. Now, this is, uh, and the reason why we're doing it again is because uh, we're starting this new series, which is called Time Compression. Uh, time is our greatest adversary, uh, and time is our uh, greatest performance challenge. Now, the, I, I guess I guess the first thing I need to say is that, uh, is, is this something new in the... Uh, you know, in the uh, in the uh, uh, group of ideas or the universe of ideas about human performance. What do you think? I'm asking my audio engineer. Uh, I I would say this is something that is in fact new. Uh, maybe not completely new, but generally speaking, I would say that is that it is in fact a new a new idea that we are. Um, presenting uh, a new concept that we are uh, um, we desire to put this this into the universe of ideas particularly when it comes to human performance so human performance now in the past we have always looked at humans performing things in a casual environment probably uh, the reason why we have done that is because it's easy to do uh, it's easy to observe humans performing in a casual way and not not performing um, things that what we would consider to be a high-stakes operation. Uh, we have very little performance data uh, related to how humans perform in a high-stakes operation. I actually happen to have quite a bit of experience in this area in terms of my overall uh, knowledge base in the field of aviation I did spend some time some quality time uh, as a as the uh, heading up a design team a design initiative that involved redesigning airline pilot training for all US carriers so I was a member of that uh, design team. Actually, I was the chairman of that um, that federal task force that was charged with that responsibility. And the name of the program was Advanced Qualification Program (AQP). Uh, that was uh, an effort to redesign uh, airline pilot training. So I I spent a lot of time um, uh, testing out ideas in the uh, full flight simulators that we had in this airline I had a complete access to all of these full flight simulators these are mission realistic full mission simulators uh, 
very expensive. They had good, um, uh, good, very good visual systems as well. Uh, and they were all the the visuals were all sp- uh, aircrafts. Uh, they were all uh, uh, location specific uh, is another term to use. Location specific, and so I began to examine uh, how perform how humans perform under stress. Okay, and how do humans perform under increased time compression? Which basically means. Okay, you don't have a lot of time to, uh, to to think through. You have to do something, but it's got to be uh, better than just kind of a knee-jerk reaction. It's got to be some kind of an analytical process that you employ. It's got to be it's got to be accurate. Uh, you have to make good decisions. You have to be able to perform exceptionally well, even though we are operating under conditions of increased time compression. Okay. So uh, this scene in the Top Gun Maverick movie uh, is, is critical in trying to understand what exactly is going on when we put humans into these situations and we put humans in the cockpit. What exactly is going on? Okay, now I want to uh, I want to play another clip because I'm I'm going to uh, put these two things together and try to make sense out of them and try to explain them in some kind of a coherent way. So the second uh, audio clip we are going to play now is what what's the title of it? Uh, Oh, okay, so this is Top Gun Maverick bird strike scene. Uh, And this is really, I would say that this is really amazing. Now, whoever was the the screenwriters for this show got uh, got access to uh, some really great seasoned uh, fighter pilots that uh, the Navy uh, had. Uh, these were these are either uh, currently active duty or recently retired, and there's some really good stuff here. Now the bird strike scene. Now, uh, just a, a fair warning here: the bird strike scene goes by very, very quickly. And we're going to play the audio of this thing, and then we're going to talk about it. Uh, and I'm not saying that we were, wouldn't play it more than once. We probably will, uh, maybe the uh, maybe next week. But I want to play this a uh, bird strike scene. It's only how how long is it? A minute. So it's about a minute. Okay. So we're gonna play this bird strike scene, uh, and uh, we may play it twice. Because it it's got some really important things in it that relate to the problem that we encounter when we are dealing with a situation in which increased time compression is a reality. All right, so let's go with the bird strike scene. That was close. Too close. Bird strike! Bird strike! Bird strike! Venus, both engines on fire! Climbing! Throttling back. Shutting off fuel to left engine. Extinguishing fire. Phoenix, it's on fire! Don't stop! Throttling up! Oh my god. Fire! Damn it! Engine fire right. Extinguishing right engine. Phoenix bomb, punch out! Punch out! Warning lights everywhere! Hydraulic failure! Light control. I can't control it! We're going down, Phoenix! We're going in! We're going in! You can't save it! Eject! 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 Okay, so uh, let me uh, 
let me point out a couple of things here. Uh, now, again, uh, this goes by pretty quickly. But I did some stop-action stuffs in preparing for this show, and I, and I want to point out a few things that, that re we really should seriously consider. Now, this is a great scene, and it shows something that is uh, an important aspect of uh, human performance, particularly when humans are performing things that are very difficult under increased time compression. Okay. Now, the first thing that happens in this scene is that the bird strike occurs. All right, so the bird strike uh, is, in fact, a, um, an event. It is unexpected. We could call it a novel event, although all pilots know that bird strikes are possible, but it was a surprise, not complete surprise, but uh, the occurrence was difficult and, and um, unexpected. All right, so the first order of business is that uh, it is a, we're, we're going to call it a novel event, okay, or a highly unusual, unexpected event, not completely foreign to the aviation community, but the occurrence was in a very strange place. All right, so the first order of business is the event occurred, bird strike occurs. Okay, and then, um, and this, this happened, uh, the pilot flying this airplane is Phoenix, and a Phoenix starts to climb. Okay, that's a good thing. All right, they were in a low-level, high-speed regime, uh, close to the ground, and so the first order of business is to fly the airplane and to get some altitude so as to give us some time or give them some time uh, to figure this thing out. All right, so the climbing initiative was, as it turns out, was a good, uh, a good thing to do. It, it was a good maneuver. Okay. The second thing that happened uh, was that Phoenix pulled back the throttle on the engine. This was the left engine. So the bird strike occurred uh, uh, that the bird strike occurred with respect to the left engine. This is a two-engine airplane, the FA-18. FA uh, Super Hornet, uh, which I think they call a rhino. They don't call it a hornet. Uh, I may be wrong, but I, th I think so. I think it's a rhino. Uh, Super Hornets are called rhinos. Uh, so the left engine uh, was hit by a bird, and so that, that's, that, that's a very damaging thing. Uh, typically, it destroys the engine, basically. Okay, so... Uh, Phoenix pulls the left throttle back. And the third thing that occurs is that Phoenix is shutting off the left engine or shutting down the left engine. I think the, I think the term that was used in the movie is shutting off, but uh, pilots call it shutting down the left engine and... Uh, extinguishing the fire. The left engine had some kind of a fire warning light uh, that that kind of goes with uh, with a bird strike. All right, so the bird strike is damaging the the compressor, uh, which reduces the airflow through the engine. You still have some. Uh, the hot section is still burning fuel, and so. Um, and so it, it starts overheating, okay? And so uh, and there's a fire warning light, overheat light, fire warning light, and, uh, and the procedure is to shut down the affected engine and hit the fire extinguisher. There's a fire extinguisher feature in this uh, airplane, presumably. It's some kind of a... Uh, 
fire retardant bottle uh, that is uh, discharged into uh, the engine bay. Okay, that's not unusual. There are there are that, that's a that's a standard feature of uh, many modern jet airplanes. Um, it was not a feature of the airplane that I flew for the Navy, but this is quite some time ago. Uh, the early supersonic fighters didn't have this feature uh, available. Uh, just keep in mind that the biggest thing that we were trying to do is is to keep our weight uh, down to a minimum uh, because weight affected the performance of the airplane. We wanted this to be a lightweight fighter. That's what I flew uh, as a fighter pilot and as a Top Gun pilot. I flew a lightweight fighter. Uh, it was probably, uh, I would say that most pilots would agree that uh, the aircraft that I flew, which was the F-A Crusader, Primarily, I did have I do have some time in the F-11 Tiger as well, but the F-A Crusader uh, was arguably the the finest lightweight fighter that we ever produced in this country. It was a remarkable airplane, and so there wasn't a lot of a um, lot of fluff there. It was pretty much bare bones airplane, but it was lightweight and it was very very fast and maneuverable okay so uh the fire extinguisher is uh is activated uh and then something happens okay now you can say what what is going on here all right so if if we're looking at at the uh, the the human machine system okay at this point in time, after the uh, the fire extinguisher uh, for the left engine is activated, the pilot says, in this case it was Phoenix, uh, says verbally, it, it's still spinning. And then she immediately goes into restart it. Okay. Now, it's still spinning. Restart it. Okay, that's kind of uh, a, a um, I would say that we're, we're talking about, a, in terms of the human machine system, we're talking about a systems failure. All right, so that's a big mistake. Okay, why is that? Well, because we are dealing with increased time compression, and um, and it's 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 very possible under increased time compression. It's very possible to make a mistake. It is okay. Uh, we try our best not to be uh, not to make mistakes, to be error free, but it's not possible to to do so, and so. Uh, everybody makes mistakes. This happened to be a kind of a serious mistake. Uh, Top Gun Maverick Maverick noticed that right away and said something. Now, that what he said was kind of drowned out a little bit in in the rush of things, but he said something really quite profound. And this is really worth considering. He said, uh, Phoenix, it's on fire. Don't restart it. Okay. Maverick actually said that. He said, Phoenix, it's on fire. Don't restart it. Okay. Now, uh, that and, but, but Phoenix actually did go through the restart procedure. So she did actually, uh, because she was on a single engine and the, uh, uh, and the, the, the engine that, uh, that had been affected by the bird strike was still spinning. In other words, it was still turning 
it was not frozen it was not had not freezed up uh she she thought it was okay to restart it but as it turns out the spinning or rotating engine is is not the complete picture all right so that's just one piece of information that uh, you that you have to deal with and you have to deal with this in a matter of uh seconds or microseconds okay you don't have a lot of time to to think about it and so uh you, the 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 thing here is uh is and we use this term as fighter pods. We we use the term uh, "stay ahead of the curve." Okay, uh, stay ahead of it. Don't get behind the curve. What is the curve? Well, a curve is kind of like uh, like a wave, right? The, you know, you want to stay ahead of the curve or ahead of the wave all right the curve is this event uh, and the, the event is a curving you can think of it conceptually as a curving feature and the event represents a a uh, a rising risk profile all right so we want to stay ahead of the curve and not get behind the curve and so in order to stay ahead of the curve, uh, we have to do two things. We have to, uh, we have to consider uh, what is immediately going on. And we also have to consider something else, which, is, uh, which resides not in the here and now. And the other thing that we have to consider simultaneously with, with uh, uh, recognizing what's happening in the here and now which in this case it's still spinning is that notwithstanding the fact that it is still spinning uh what else do i need to uh consider what else do i need to bring to bear before i actually go through the restart cycle all right so if we are going to go through the restart cycle, we are going to add fuel to the engine. Okay, that's part of the restart cycle. Do we actually want to do that? If in fact it was shut down previously, which may, which, which, um. Uh, raised the possibility that uh, there was a impending fire or raised the possibility that, that there was such internal damage to the engine that restarting it was uh, was a uh, uh, was was not within the realm of possibility restarting it, uh, simply did not make any sense at this point. All right, so now you begin to see what's happening here. Okay, what's happening here is that is that uh, during this high stress moment caused primarily by time compression, we're talking about just seconds, right? It's just seconds, not even minutes, just seconds. To uh, to assess the situation and to uh, and to perform the appropriate action, given that we have properly and accurately assessed the situation, uh, Maverick actually had done so. Now Maverick is actually not flying this airplane, okay, but he is he is close to the airplane and he is able to put himself into the cockpit uh, in a very effective way and he recognizes that that there is a uh, there is a high risk right it, it there is a highly dangerous situation that we have to properly manage okay uh, 
and he says he says that the he says Phoenix, it's on fire. Don't restart it. Okay. In other words, don't restart or don't even attempt to restart the left engine. The left engine was actually restarted or an attempt to restart the left engine uh, was performed by Phoenix. What that did is that that attempted restart uh, actually caused damage to the right engine. Okay, so the attempted restart was a faulty maneuver and a faulty procedure and it caused increased levels of damage to the power plant system and the right engine uh, caught uh, uh, began to disintegrate as well and obviously it was actually getting damaged by the left engine who was in the process of restarting, but the fire broke out in the left engine and it caused a fire to occur in the right engine. And so you have both engines that are on fire. Okay. Both engines being on fire caused the failure of the hydraulic system. Now, the hydraulic system is that system that controls the the flight controls, all right? So the, the flight controls are, uh, are uh, uh, flight, the flight control devices uh, are activated by the hydraulic system. It's a 3,000 PSI hydraulic system. Uh, Hydraulic systems have been around for a long time. Okay, these are uh, these are um, highly uh, developed. I, that's not exactly what I wanted to say. Uh, these are uh, these are modern hydraulic systems. All right, so three thousand psi. I think uh, it, that may not be entirely correct today, but I, but it was in my day. All right, so. Uh, and they and so you can and so the 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 movement of the of the flight control was almost instantaneous, and so the hydraulic system and, and the airplane the airplane uh, is is uh, uh, is a hydraulic uh, actuated flight control system airplane, okay. Uh, the hydraulic failure occurred because both engines were damaged and both engines were actually on fire. Okay. And so this is a cascading effect. And this is one of the, uh, the major th things about, uh, about flying, particularly flying uh, these kinds of airplanes and this type of uh, uh, complex uh, mission profile uh, performing at the high end of the performance spectrum we talked about that uh, last week all right we are we are uh, we are at the high end of the performance spectrum here all right and so and we have encountered an emergency okay we have encountered something that is approaching catastrophe where are we on the risk continuum okay now i know we're 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 getting a lot of things going on here at the same time we're talking about time compression but we're also talking about uh about the risk continuum where are we on the risk continuum all right we are actually at the critical event horizon so with respect to the risk continuum here in this particular uh episode in the Top Gun Maverick movie. Uh, Phoenix and her backseater, who happens to be Bob, uh, are actually at the critical event horizon. Now, what is exactly that? What does that mean? 
Okay, so you notice that we're bringing other things into the discussion here. We are operating under increased time compression, okay, but our risk has risen because of various reasons and various situations that we we have find ourselves in, and we are the, at a very high level of risk, okay, and the, we call that uh, point in time the critical event horizon. The critical event horizon is that in which if the risk continues to rise beyond that point, catastrophe will occur. And that is exactly what has happened here in this Top Gun Maverick scene. Okay, The pilots have experienced uh, crossing over, crossing through, is a better way of saying that, crossing through the critical event horizon. Okay. And what happens then? A catastrophe occurs. They have reached the point in which catastrophe is occurring and there is nothing else that they can do except eject from the airplane. And that's exactly what they do. All right, so they crossed through or crossed over the critical event horizon. They encountered catastrophe, and they ejected from the airplane. That's what happened. Okay. Uh, they ejected primarily, well, for two reasons. Number one, their, their, their flight control system failed. They lost all hydraulic pressure caused by the engine fire. So they have both engines that are on fire. We, they have both hydraulic systems. I think there's two of them. There was two in, my, in the airplane that I flew. Uh, both hydraulic systems failed. They cannot control the airplane. There is no choice but eject, and so they ejected from the airplane. So they had crossed over into the realm of catastrophe, and they were um, in the process of saving their lives, but the aircraft was lost. Okay, that's exactly what happened. All right. Okay, so one of the things that, all right, so so you see where you see where I'm going with this thing. All right, so the 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 time compression or the increased time compression was one of the predominant features of this uh, uh, that 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 occurred in this performance arena. Okay. The other thing that occurred was a rising risk profile. And the third thing was staying ahead of the curve. Okay, so mental projection. What is going on here? We have to be able to stay ahead of the curve. We have to be able to stay ahead of the airplane. And we have to be able to stay ahead of the situation okay how do you do that all right well that's one thing to say that you have to stay ahead of the curve that you have to stay ahead of the airplane and you have to stay ahead of the situation which in with respect to this scene did not happen okay uh, pilots got overloaded. They attempted to restart the left engine, which happened to be a wrong decision in the heat of the battle. Okay, they uh, the in the heat of the battle, Phoenix saw something that the engine was still spinning. Therefore, it was capable. It should be uh, um, uh, in a, in a in a situation in which a relight was possible. That happened to be not correct okay but in the heat of the battle you can understand what's going on all right so how do you stay ahead of the curve how do you make 
proper decisions during the heat of the battle. When all of these events occur and the, and the situation becomes extraordinarily complex, how do you do that? Well, you stay ahead of the curve. How do you do that? Well, now this is the big rub. This is the big, big 800-pound gorilla in the room, which is you have to you have to think differently. You have to train your mind to think in different ways. Really? You have to do that? Yes, you do. Okay? You have to train your mind. You have to insist. You have to make it your intention to think differently. Wow. What does that mean? You have to think conceptually. You have to become a proficient conceptual thinker. You have to think in the future. That, uh, that requires you to think conceptually. You have to be able to predict a future situation from a set of current events. That prediction is based upon your ability to conceptualize. You have to be able to think conceptually. All right, so let us play this uh, short audio clip on conceptual thinking, and then we will go from there and finish the show by talking about what exactly is conceptual thinking. What, what does that mean? Uh, isn't that just every, isn't that standard thinking or a typical thinking or thinking that we normally do? And the answer is absolutely no. It's a completely different way to think. And so we have to, we have to be able to think conceptually or we cannot stay ahead of the curve. We just, that is just, that is the bottom line lesson here. That is the bottom line lesson that we all learn as fighter pilots. And it ought to be the bottom line lesson that all of us committed humans, uh, that is humans that are committed to thinking well, thinking critically, thinking better. That's something that we ought to be committing ourselves to. We have to change the way we think. Pure and simple. We have to become conceptual thinkers. So let's go ahead and play this. Uh, how many minutes is it? Two. Two minutes. This, uh, let's play this two-minute audio clip on conceptual thinking. Conceptual thinking is like it sounds, so it's really about thinking about large concepts, abstract thoughts, systems, systematic thinking, so it's big picture thinking rather than the details. I think especially for leaders, conceptual thinking is critical because more and more the world is driven by thoughts and abstract thoughts and large systemic kinds of thoughts, and so leaders really need to be focused on the big picture and get a, a good grasp of things that are going on at a, at a fairly abstract level. I think that's where leaders really set themselves apart. Lots of things can help us with that. Reading is huge. Uh, talking to other people who are abstract thinkers and challenging our own thought processes and patterns. Uh, really just engaging with other people who are thinking systemically. It, it causes us in, in that interaction to grow in our ability to think outside the box. As an introvert, conceptual thinking is huge. In fact, it's one of the, the legs up that we have. It's in our wheelhouse naturally. We're always in our heads. Uh, I love the quote from Susan Cain who says, there's a word for people who are in their head too much. They're called deep thinkers. So introverts are naturally conceptual thinkers. So I try to help them leverage that skill. Extroverts can be good at conceptual thinking as well. I think uh, as we look at different competencies in the complete leader, there are certain ones that seem to be easier for extroverts to master and others that seem introvert-oriented. Conceptual thinking is probably leaning toward introverts, 
but that's no excuse for extroverts. They can all master it, uh, introvert, extrovert alike. Okay, so conceptual thinking. All right, what if... What is conceptual thinking? Well, conceptual thinking is goes hand in glove with critical thinking, right? But it it emphasizes the need to not spend too much time in the here and now and in the literal, okay? The literal is only a piece of our reality structure. We also look at what is going to occur, what is likely to occur in the future, and we do that through the process of conceptualization. We conceptualize. And my audio engineer is giving me the, did you give me the two-minute warning? No, now we're down to a one-minute warning. All right, so I need to I need to finish my, my, my thinking, uh, my... <laughs> my discussion on conceptual thinking. All right, so conceptual thinking is, in fact, critical thinking in the context of it is not based upon what is occurring now literally entirely. It's what would is likely to or what could happen sometime in the future. All right, once we can do that, once we can move along the time horizon, now we have the possibility of dealing with increased time compression in an effective way. So we have to be temporally agile. We have to be uh, not, we, we are not fixed in time and space. We are agile in terms of the present and the future. Move back and forth, right? And that's mental agility. So we have to have that uh, capability as well. I guess we'll talk, we'll talk a lot more about mental uh, agility uh, in future uh, shows. Uh, and um, I see we're, are we at the end of this? Uh, we are. Oh, okay. Well, uh, another Throttle Up Radio show uh, complete and podcast, and we will see you all next week.